0: Okay, let's read together. 1 Samuel chapter 14. It says this. One day, Jonathan and his son Saul said to the young armor-bearer, Come on, let's go to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father what he was doing. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, where in Epod, son of Ichabod, brother of Ahitub, son of Phineas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other was called Senna. One cliff stood to the north, towards Michmash, the other on the south, towards Geba. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you completely, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. Let's go across and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there, we will come to you. We will stay and we'll not go up to them. But if they say to us, come up to us, we will climb because this will be the sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes that they were hiding in. The men on the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up here and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to the armor bearer, Come on, let's climb. Climb after me and we'll see the Lord give them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet. And the armor bearer was right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer, and the the armor-bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men over about half an acre. What an interesting story. What a challenging story. Maybe as you read that this morning, you think, what on earth has that got to say to us today? Well, I believe it has. And as I've been praying, as I've been thinking about preparing a word for the graduates today, I wanted to bring something that was a challenge, because I want to say this. It's time to stop some things, and it's time to start some things. And for those people who like to take notes, there's two things to stop and there's two things to start. Okay, I don't mind if you're taking notes on your phone or on a piece of paper, but just remember what God's saying to us this morning. Yeah, It's time to stop some things and it's time to start some things. So this is where we start. Verse 1, the Israelites are under a tree and it says... Two of them, let's go out from this camp. Let's be seen for who we really are. Jonathan is second in line to the throne. He's there, he's ready to take things on. 600 men under this tree, enjoying the shade from the midday sun. And Jonathan says, come on, let's go. And only two of them go. Jonathan and his armor bearer. So this is my first challenge. It's time for us as the church of Jesus Christ to stop hiding. You think, sometimes I just worry that we kind of make church about this gathered moment, which is wonderful, it's essential, we need to gather together, keep coming and gathering and learning and being fueled up for all that God has, but we're not supposed to stay under the tree. We're not supposed to hide in our buildings. We've been called to go out. And Jonathan says to the armor bearer, come on, let's stand up for who we are. What would it look like for a church to to stop hiding from culture? What would it look like for the church to start speaking out in the workplace? What would it look like for the church to have a voice in society? What would it look like if the church of Jesus Christ was known as a culture-shaping, good news-carrying, kingdom-announcing movement? I don't want to be hiding under a tree. What does it take for us to, to step out to be seen? You see, the reality is sometimes it's only the one or two that are prepared to go. But I don't believe that was the intention when Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all people. The command was to all. The command was to each one of us. I've been working for the church for, for many, many years. I've been married for nearly 30 years next year. My, my wife um, doesn't work for the church. She, she works in the NHS. She's been involved in, in hospitals for many, many years. But she's probably a better evangelist than me, even though I get paid for it, yeah? She, she kind of just does it naturally. It's what she does. So, so a couple of years ago, she was in um, work, and a friend kind of says, you're one of those Christians, aren't you? to which she admitted it, which is a good start. <laughs> and then they said to her, I've tried reading your Bible, and it doesn't make sense. So Liz says, well, which Bible have you been reading? So on a phone, she pulls up the Beatitudes. She goes to Matthew chapter 5, and she pulls up the, the King James Version, and she reads a few verses, and the friend says to her, there you go, doesn't make sense, doesn't mean anything to me. So Liz Gets a different version on a phone, slightly kind of more modern translation. And she reads the same passage, second public reading of scripture in the hospital that day, um, to her friend. And her friend says, that makes a bit more sense. Liz is so focused on reading what she's reading and making sure she gets the words right. She doesn't realize actually that her friend is starting to get quite emotional. She thinks, I'm going to give it one more go. She hasn't noticed the three or four people that have gathered within the room. This is now turning into church. And she turns to the message version and reads it again with four or five people listening. Two people come up to her afterwards and say, where can I get one of those books? I want to read it even more. Do you know what was even better? A couple of months later this lady, same lady, came up to me and says, I bought one of those Bibles, it's pink. I read it to my eight-year-old daughter every night before she goes to bed. Yeah. You see, I think... I think it's only when we step out from under the tree, when we, we realise we've got a role to play in this, this, this war, this battle, that actually we get the confidence to go... What would it look like if the decisions you made? What would it look like if the reactions that you had? What would it look like if your commitment to friendship was different than anything else that you saw in the world? It's time to go. It's time to go. I I, I like writing poems, and and I've written this one for you to enjoy today. Okay, This is my kind of attempt to encourage you out from the tree this morning. Okay, you ready? Feel free to clap at the end if you like it. (laughs) I don't want to blend in, shrink back, fade out. I don't want to live in grayscale, the pace of a snail following others' trail. I don't want my uniqueness unravelled, my purpose paused, my identity nicked. I want to dare to be different. I want to cheer on the champion within, holler the hero inside to stand up and be counted. I want to be recognized, not retreated, visible, not unseen, committed to a conspiracy of kindness, not cowering in cultural camouflage. I want to live my life proud, loud, not hidden by the crowd. Somebody who hugs, hurting, listens to the lonely, loves the lost so much that we don't leave them where they are. When people ask, who are you? What do you stand for? I don't want to be lost for words. I want to be ready to speak. I'm a diplomat of justice. I'm a representative of compassion. I'm an envoy of peace. I'm a messenger of forgiveness. I'm a hero of with humility, I'm an ambassador of the King. You see, the first thing we need to stop doing is hiding. And Jonathan gives us that example. He steps out from under the tree. But the second thing to stop is stop time wasting. I love some of the details in Scripture. This is me kind of exercising some biblical interpretation that you may or may not agree with. But I think it's fascinating that what type of tree are they under? They're not under an apple tree or a pear tree. They're not under a raspberry bush. They're under a pomegranate tree. Who enjoys pomegranates? I I enjoy pomegranates. My my mother used to live in Morocco, North Africa, and she was a missionary out there for many, many years, and she tells me there's two ways to eat a pomegranate. Okay. The first way is to kind of put it under water and turn it inside out, and all the pips go to the bottom, and all the horrible stuff comes to the top, and you can just enjoy it like a feast with a giant spoon. But the traditional way to eat a pomegranate is to cut it in half, just like you can see on the screen, get a pin or a toothpick, and one at a time, you take one seed out and eat it. It's the most time-wasting fruit you have ever come across in your life. 600 men were under a pomegranate tree. They had the resources to make a difference against these 20 Philistines. But they were wasting time <laughs> eating pomegranates. Do you know, what? I wonder if society has been designed to waste our time, to distract us from what we've actually been called to do as Jesus followers. You know. It, it, It vibrates in our pocket, doesn't it? The notifications, the alerts, the the box sets that we just need to get to the end of, the the reality TV that is anything but reality, but it just draws us in and we just need to keep watching it. Maybe our addiction to sport or or the news, 24-hour feast of whatever's being thrown at us to distract us from what God has called us to do. It's time to stop wasting time. There's a job to do, we've been called. This is a word specifically for you graduates. The course you have been on is not the end. You might have felt it's been a little bit tough to fit your studies in onto everything else that you've been doing, but you've made time. But this is about that. What you've done in terms of studying, learning, growing and developing, it's not about getting a certificate. It's in order to go and do that which God has called you to. You guys are going to find you've got a little bit more time. A few less assignments to write, a few less visits to college. What are you going to do to make a difference for the king and his kingdom? Maybe for other of us, we've been challenged God's given us a specific challenge to go and do something, to to speak to someone, to encourage someone, to visit someone who's lonely, to to offer forgiveness. And we've just been putting it off because we've been distracted. Maybe it's time for that to come back front and centre. It's time to stop time-wasting. What does Paul say to the Ephesians in chapter 5? He says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like the fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord's will is and do it. Put it in to practice. So there's some things I think this morning we're being challenged to stop. Stop hiding. Stop time wasting. But there's some things we're being challenged to start. I think it's time for us to start taking risks. Or to put it in Christian language, steps of faith. Yeah? It's time to start stepping out for God. Verse 6, look at it with me in Scripture. So, So Jonathan is in this situation where he's about to take on the Philistines. The Philistines have got the advantageous position. They are the ones who've blocked off the path. There's cliffs on one side, there's cliffs on the other side. There's no way through for Jonathan and the Israelites. Jonathan's trying to persuade the armor bearer that it's a really good idea to go on this crazy adventure. They've only got one spear and one sword between them. You can read that if if you go back to the, the, the chapter before. And it says the Philistines have taken the outpost. But Jonathan's trying to say, come on, we can do this. What language does he use to encourage the armor-bearer that it's a really good idea? Look at it with me. He says this. Jonathan says to his armor-bearer, Come on, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will be on our behalf. Perhaps. If I'm trying to convince my kids it's a good idea to do something... Perhaps it will be a good idea to do your homework, you know? Unless I'm being really sarcastic, it's not the best word to use, is it? You know, perhaps if I plug the kettle in, it will boil. Perhaps if I wait for the tube, it will turn up. Yeah, perhaps is not the most kind of vitriolic, encouraging, you know, the the word that's going to get you on board but Jonathan is prepared to take a risk even though he doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. I wonder if we've just got a bit safe as followers of Jesus. I'm going to do the things that I know I can do in my own strength, but actually, are we going to do the things that God is calling us to do even if it feels a little bit beyond us? Perhaps. I was 18 years old In a building not dissimilar to this, somebody stood at the front and says, are you going to follow Jesus? Now, I was already a Christian. I made the decision to follow Jesus when I was quite young. But I remember standing in that building and looking up to the roof and saying, God, I'm going to follow you even though I don't know what it is you're calling me to. Whatever it is you ask, the answer is yes, yes. Whatever it is you ask, the answer is yes. I didn't know at that stage I was going to go from being a youth worker to being the principal of a theological college. If you'd asked me that when I was 18, I would have said that I'm not clever enough. I, I wouldn't know what to do. Do people even want to study theology? There could have been all sorts of questions. But are we prepared to take the risks, to follow the things that God is calling us to A couple of years ago I was over in Jerusalem and I I bumped into a number of people and I was chatting to this one guy who was um, a missionary in in Mosul in the Middle East and he'd been witnessing to some um, Muslims in that particular context. He came across one guy who'd been given one page of scripture. He'd read this page of scripture over and over and over again. And after reading it over and over and over again, says, I want to follow this Jesus. So he went home and he told his wife, thinking he was going to get the best reception ever. And his wife said to him, you've brought this honor on this family. And in one month's time, I'm going to divorce you. He says, no, 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 no. Just, okay, just give me one month. Give me four weeks and let's see what happens. So she agreed. Three weeks came and went Not one conversation about Jesus. Not one conversation about the future. On the day before the fourth week, she came to her husband and says, The God you are now following has changed your life so much. I want to follow him too. Please don't hear what I'm not saying I'm not saying let's put our marriages on the line. I'm not saying do daft things for Jesus. But I'm saying there are things that God challenges us to do that we need to step out for, that we need to believe him for, that he's going to be there. He's going to give us the time. He's going to give us the resources. He's going to give us the confidence. It's time to start taking risks. And finally, we get to verse 7. You can read the rest yourself. You can talk about it over dinner. That's fine. I'm going to stop at verse seven. So Jonathan says to the armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will be with us. What's the armor bearer's response? It says this, do what you think is best. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. Now, if I have a conversation with someone in work and I give them a good suggestion, they say, yeah, okay, I'm on board with that. But they very rarely say, I don't know what you're about to do, but whatever you're about to do, I'm with you completely. Yeah, that's the response that the armor bearer gives to Jonathan. Do what you think's best. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. Not, I'm with you partially. I'm with you one day of the week. I'm with you because you're doing the thing I want to do anyway. I'm with you because my friends are doing it at the same time. No, I am with you completely. The armor bearer did not have a clue what Jonathan was about to do, but he positioned himself, he postured himself in a place of obedience and a place of followership. I think as Jesus followers, that's what we are being called to do. How do we position our lives in a way that says, Jesus, whatever you're about to do, whatever you are doing in the world, I am following you. I am a Jesus follower. I'm a disciple. I'm a learner. I want to grow. I want to become more like you every day. I wonder sometimes in the wider church of Jesus Christ, if we've lost the art of followership, You know, there's one head in the church, and his name is Jesus Christ, and we have been called to follow him wherever he goes. Too much emphasis on all sorts of other things, but we we are Jesus followers first and foremost. Let me finish with one story just to kind of bring this together. I was on holiday many, many years ago. We were quite newly married, and we decided to go to Brighton because it's quite a nice place to go on holiday. Anyone been on holiday to Brighton? Day trip to Brighton? few people, okay. So we, we, it was one of those holidays where we'd we paid for the, the, the accommodation, but there wasn't much left in the bank to, to enjoy ourselves, you know? So we were walking down Brighton Pier, and, and my son, who was about five, says to me, Dad, can we do this? Dad, can I have an ice cream? Dad, can I go on the trampoline? Dad, can I have, you know, and I was just on and on and on. I wanted to do it, but we just didn't have the finance. So I said, son, it's one of those holidays where we, we throw pebbles into the sea. You know, so he, he joined in for a bit. And as we walked down the pier, I sensed that there were some people who were watching us. So I kind of walked a bit faster, and they walked a bit faster. And then they approached us and said, we've been looking at your children, and I said, go away. <laughs> we we tatted for a little bit, and, and they said, we work for Cadbury's chocolate. And, and, and we've been seeing your children, and we'd love to use them for an advertising campaign, We've been looking for some kids about the ages of yours. We've been shopping for loads of clothes for them to wear. And we would love them to kind of get dressed up and we'll take their pictures. And it's just a real cracking day in Brighton. So anyway, we went for it. They dressed them up. They kind of made them look great. They covered their face in chocolate and ice cream. They looked a little bit like this, you know. They would kill me if they knew I was showing you this photo. One of them now is married and the other one's in civil engineering, but anyway. A couple of months later, this was in the August, a couple of months later, October, I'm in Glasgow. We finished a ministry trip, and I'm driving home, whole family in the car, and Josh, in, in traffic in Glasgow, and Josh turns to Hannah and says, Hannah, there's a picture of me and you on the bus stop. So proud dad gets his kids out of the car, puts his kids next to a picture of his kids, gets his phone, and takes a picture of his kids looking at his kids, because that's what dads do, yeah? Then I think to myself, genius, we're in Glasgow, it's three hours home. How many times can I see my kids before I get home? I just need to look in the back of the car, but I meant on, on walls and things. So, so we, we take detours through Carlisle and Lancaster, You know, we go through the Lake District, we go anywhere where we potentially can see our kids. A three hour journey had taken six hours and my wife wasn't best pleased, the kids were fast asleep in the back and I saw the biggest picture of my kids just down the road from where we live. I I, kind of glanced at my wife and you know that kind of look that says, mention kids, chocolate or photos and our marriage is over, so I danced. But I just wanted to grab a stranger by the cheeks and shake them by the face and say, But they're my children. What were they doing? Very little. But they were putting a smile on their dad's face. You see, what do I think it means to follow Jesus? It's not necessarily the big things, it's not necessarily the amazing adventures. But every day, you live your life in a way that puts a smile on Father God's face. (laughs) Graduates, I want to say to you today, what would it look like if for the rest of this year, rather than worrying what your um, assignment marks are, rather than worrying what the lecturers think about what you've just done, actually your focus is how do I make my Father God smile? How do I make the small decisions of life that make him proud? How do I make decisions that put a smile on my father's face? I want to encourage each one of us to stop hiding, to stop wasting time, to start taking journeys of faith and to start following Jesus well, because that's the call that God has placed on our lives. If God is speaking to you, and I believe he is speaking to some people here this morning, maybe some people who are tuning in online, maybe he's whispering something into your spirit, something you promised that you were going to do many years ago that you've never got round to. Maybe even last week you were here in church, God challenged you to do something and you've been distracted and put it off. God's saying, come on, let's get on with it. It's time. Maybe there's some things that you're a bit scared about. Some faith leaps. Some things you think, I could never possibly carve out time or find the finances to do that. And God's saying, maybe now it's time. But more than anything, don't forget, we're on this earth to live our lives in a way that puts a smile on Father God's face. Let's not tread water as Christians Let's not just get through until we die and spend eternity with Jesus. Let's make a difference on this earth for the King and His kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.